0: I just wanted to
1: let you know. How often have you ever asked me if I knew a song, um that I didn't know?
0: Well, I just know because you always talk about songs getting stuck in your head and right now that's what's stuck in my head. And that's very true. It's doo doo do 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 do.
1: Oh, that's true. I do know that song. Yep.
0: And there's that's been many, true. many versions. Yeah. Great. Now
1: now the little doo 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 is stuck in my yep, head. Yep, Sure. Good is. job, Ferber. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> that's okay. As many as many uh times as I got some song stuck in my head and you had to Deal with listening to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's why. That's why I bring it up.
1: everyone Inside to the cast corner.com podcast CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin publisher caps com. coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond where it is Tuesday November the 22nd obviously with uh, Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday uh, we're recording this one a day early um, to um, I don't know Dave had a reason I, don't, I forget what it was anyway um, Cavaliers are now a top five team in America folks um, with a um, with a just a resounding pair of victories out in Vegas um, which we will no doubt be discussing um I'm curious to get um to get into sort of how what we saw over the weekend either confirmed our pre-existing uh, notions maybe it um, changed them I'm I'm curious to get into that before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first in Fishersville uh board moderator dujour david spence is on the show how's it going my friend
2: Pretty good. Um, yeah, the reason is you know, we we host Thanksgiving. Everyone comes stay comes to stay here. So um there'll be a lot of people in the house tomorrow that would not make for good podcasting. But who days on the board at who days on Twitter.
1: So you say that and I, my immediate thought was like, Well, I mean that sounds like amazing. Like we could have <laughs> we could have all kinds of guest folks on the on the pod. It would be great. Um in Charlottesville, editor in chief, Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude?
0: I can't hear anything you're saying right now because my uh, headphones just fell out. So I'm just talking without being able to hear. So hopefully everything's going smoothly. And if not, then this is going to sound really good. Add Justin underscore for on Twitter. And now I can hear
1: again. Wow. I like the play-by-play as to where your headphones were and were not. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates to content items at least as long as Twitter exists. Um Somebody asked me the other day, "We're like, so what are you going to do if Twitter like goes belly up?" And I was like, "I don't know." And so I reached out to, um, um, I don't know, it's one of those one of those startups. Post something, something, um, and tried to get a cast corner account on their beta, um, which apparently I'm going to be able to. What's real? Okay, this is hilarious. I literally just got an email as I'm saying that from the post updates, post beta update. Hello, we have not deployed any new functionality today, but there are a lot of blah blah blah. So anyway. Um. All right, let's uh, real quick before we get to basketball. Obviously, uh, a, just an incredibly difficult week for everybody around the football program, everybody around the community. Um, Virginia's game uh, against Coastal Carolina, obviously, last weekend was canceled. They had the memorial service, which I thought was just extremely well done. I was so proud of those kids um, who who spoke. Um, I was really impressed by everybody who got that thing together in such a short amount of time, and I thought it did an incredible job of... Uh, paying tribute to um the three guys that we lost um and then obviously Virginia's game at Virginia Tech scheduled for this weekend was also cancelled there was obviously a lot of talk about trying to move the game um this is definitely one of those depends on who you talk to sort of deals um, we've certainly heard varying degrees of you know trying to do it like this trying to do it on like the 10th or something like that but all in in all in all it 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 uh it was canceled and and in and I don't know about the rest of everybody, but I think the three of us—I think we all agree that it's probably the right call. Dave, um, did you? If, again, we're not—we're not, we're not going to linger on on this long tonight. But did you like the call to, you know, cancel the game? Are you glad to that that's the direction they decided to go? What are your thoughts and feelings sitting here a couple of days? Yeah, I, mean, I
2: was going to—I was going to support whatever decision they made, um, and you know it. I'm not in their shoes. I, you know, I was in, in Charlottesville Saturday night hanging out with some people, and you know it's still so raw, right? And they've got funerals to go to. Um, playing football is not the top of their priority list right now. So, yeah, I mean, if they could have moved it, great. I mean, I had tickets. I had hotels booked for any weekend. They couldn't have it in case they did have it because I was going to be there. But, no, I, I respect their decision. And, um, you know, they've got – you know, a couple of long weeks ahead dealing with funerals and just trying to get back into the grind, um with the new reality they face. So yeah, I'm, I'm never going to question the decision to cancel it.
1: Robert, it certainly feels like to me that if they could have worked it out, they would have. So the fact that they didn't means they couldn't, um, I'm going to guess that you're also sort of on the same page.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, the decision correctly falls to the guys that have to go suit up and play and get ready to play too. I think that's kind of like an underrated part of this is like, you know, you still have to go back and practice after not having practiced for a while and the logistics of just trying to do all the funerals and which obviously are more important than a football game. um, assuming that players want to go to those. And then um, on top of that, you have the holiday and just everything that goes into that. Um, And yeah, I mean, ultimately, like whatever they decided to do, I think would have been supported. And even if they wanted to play and couldn't make it work, which is, you know, maybe what happened here, um, because I mean, there are a lot of things that go into playing a football game and moving one and all that stuff. So, um, ultimately I think, you know, it's okay to just walk away from it and everybody can sort of try to move forward, um, into the, I guess you would, I mean, the stuff in the immediate future isn't football related for the players, but then eventually into the off season where, you know, a lot of decisions have to be made, you know, a lot of football related stuff will eventually pick back up. Um, And obviously the season itself wasn't going very well anyway. So it's not like there were like high stakes except for pride and, you know, the state championship, if you want to call it that, it does kind of suck. Also, I think for tech, Um obviously not something that's anybody's fault. And I don't think anybody's blaming anyone, but, you know, they lose their senior day, um, too. So, I mean, like, you know, ultimately, I don't think anybody wanted to to have it happen this way. And obviously, the you know, you hear bigger than football thrown around a lot. Obviously, that is one of these situations, too. And um, ultimately, you know, I think it's I don't want to say it's best because, like, I think there's some value in playing, too. But, like, ultimately, like turning the page here and trying to move forward and, and um, pick things back up isn't the worst thing that could happen. And I think ultimately um, it's good that the players will get to spend, you know, the holiday with their families in addition to all the other stuff that they're going to have to do. So yeah, support their decision. And uh, I guess we move forward.
1: Yeah. You, you made an interesting point in the text read yesterday to today to mention that the the kids who are seniors at tech, or at least guys who were four year guys at tech will never have played UVA at home in like a normal game because they obviously had to play. Um,
0: they played in the empty stadium two years know? ago, so it's just yeah.
1: it's you know it's very strange. Um, I, I I I just want to concur. I I was I would support you know whatever decision the guys decided to make, and I do think that you know with funerals coming next weekend, the idea of them playing um, or excuse me coming yeah coming this weekend going into next week, the idea yeah. of them playing on the third yeah. was tough um and i think ultimately the fact that they couldn't play on the 10th and i mean it is a lot to ask if you think about the number of people in a football program to keep another football program basically just going for three weeks um with nothing to do, you know no game to play and stuff like that's a lot that's a lot um so i mean i get it on a number of fronts um but um like i said i think that you know, ultimately whatever they decided I was going to support. And I think, uh, I think that's pretty uniform across the board. I I don't, I don't think everybody's, you know, at least the real people, you're going to get these, these, some of these folks on Twitter, I'm not sure if they're bots or what, but some folks are, you know, the things that you read are just, just deplorable. Um,
2: But this has told me anything. It's just don't read the replies. Yeah. Don't read the comments, (laughs)
1: man. Just don't, you know, like, um, the one good thing about message boards, I guess, is that there's a paywall. So they, you know, Nobody's going to pay no. the, you know, 10 bucks a month to to get on the back end so they can, you know, I mean, well, that's not true. There are definitely some people who will pay the 10 bucks a month, but the vast majority of the trolls will not do that.
2: Um, yeah. Plus, plus that delete and ban feature is pretty nice too. <laughs> <laughs> I will
0: say this though. I mean, like you lose the senior day here and then obviously you lose your finale and your rivalry game. But ultimately, like if you're a senior, you know, it's a tough way to end your career, but I guarantee you that like years from now they won't care. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, they, they won't, they won't regret doing what they ended up doing. And, yeah, and I think the parents of the players and their families will be more proud of them for how they've handled themselves this past week. And like the memorial service, especially the guys who spoke than anything they could really do on the field.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, look, I, I like I said, don't read the comments, um, especially on any sort of social media platform. Um, but I, I, I feel like on some level, like folks, folks like that will eventually, um, they'll eventually get theirs real quick before we move to basketball. Last thing I want to just mention um, the, the GoFundMe links are still in your um, podcast app of choice um, as well as the content item for the show. So if you have not yet, or if you have already, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable, please, um, you know, please do that to support these uh, families as they go through this. Um, One more thing on, on it before we move to basketball.
2: Um, I mean, I think we'd be remiss not to, discuss just how impressive the players were during the memorial service. Um, I mean, big crowd, emotional, and I thought they all did like an amazing job, you know, remembering their friends. It was, you know, it was impressive and just kind of shows the young man we have in the program.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like real talk, we're on a podcast every week. Right. Um, But we get to sit here with headphones on and they know that, you know, if, if one of them says something crazy or whatever, I'm going to edit it out. Right. To do that live, given the situation, given the people there, given the emotions, anybody would be like, you would understand, like if somebody got tripped up or somebody, you know, was overcome with motion, um, these dudes all to a man just really, I mean, they put themselves out there, which in, in and of itself is just so impressive. Um, but the way that they, they shared what was on their hearts and the way that they, um, you know, memorialized their, their friends and their, their, their teammates. It just, it, it was, it was almost like too much for me to sort of process because I'm going to be real with you. I used, you know, I did radio a lot, you know, like that's, you know, you know that the, there's a lot of people, listening but you're not really sure how many right um I, you know I, damon every once in a while would have me like on a tv spot or whatever i mean like i knew there were people watching you know but you're not sure how many like this thing you're not talking about just the people in the room right you're talking about like you knew that they're just you know this is like the one of the biggest stories in the world you know i just was so impressed by not just the way that they conducted themselves but as you said like the things that they said the things they shared i was so impressed with them um I just know that myself at that age given, Especially given the circumstances Just could not have done what they did um, I thought their courage in getting up there And really putting themselves out there for their friends I thought it was extremely touching And extremely impressive Speaking of impressive um, let's, uh, let's see if we can get back to a little sports here um, Virginia went out to Vegas And I mean, look if I told the I told, I told Dave Verber the other day like the only thing that I, I thought Virginia didn't do a good job of was understanding what you do with a championship belt once you win it right like these dudes clearly did not watch a lot of wrestling as children because they were like I'm not sure what to do with my hands Ricky Bobby kind of stuff going on with the belt right nah man you take that belt off you throw it on your shoulder you walk around like you own the joint because you did I thought I mean 80 what was it 8679 over Baylor um 70 to um 61 over Illinois. Very different games. Like they had to play almost like different like games, so to speak, right? They had to do it differently. Um to be to be as impressive as they were says a lot to me. Uh Dave, let's start with you. How how impressed were you um with the two games that you saw from the from the Wahoos this weekend in Vegas?
2: I mean, very <laughs> it was uh I mean, obviously, with all of the stuff going on and how bad things were, when we sat down to watch the Baylor game, I uh, can't remember what night that was. Now Friday, maybe, um, yeah, Friday night, right? The uh, B- Baylor just scared me because they reminded me a lot of the Houston team we played last year, and we know how that went. Um, so I was just hoping Virginia could keep it close because I didn't want to watch them, you know, get boat raced by a very good team, and. Obviously it was pretty clear five minutes in they were there to play. Um yeah, I mean it just an incredibly incredibly surprising performance. And maybe not now that we've seen two games, but um after seeing, you know, what, what this team was last year and how they struggled to score the ball, you know, they just they, they're so <laughs> the funny thing is to me is you know, you've got new pieces that obviously offer you some flexibility and some some help in minutes, maybe you couldn't have produced points before and, and give you give your starters a few more minutes off than they got last year. But a lot of what we're seeing is is guys that were big parts of last year, Franklin, you know, um, Kihei Reese really stepping their game up to another level. Um and and against very good competition. Like going into that tournament, I think all Virginia fans would have been happy, <clears throat> excuse me, coming out one and one. And, you know, they went two and zero, oh and the teams they beat, you know. And then Baylor, who they beat, beat UCLA, so that they beat basically beat the hardest teams they could have played there. Um, and just you know, the defense is is good, uh, not elite, but good enough. And when you combine it with the improved offensive uh, efficiency we're seeing from the guys, it, you know, it's it's very impressive. And then just the uh, versatility and lineups that they offer, I I didn't think we'd see. Uh, you know Vander Vanderplassen and, and Gardner play together play together a lot and I'm sure you guys will joke on me about that later in the podcast but um I mean if you can get those two to play together and produce minutes like that just gives you a lot more flexibility than even I anticipated we had going in so yeah just and, and you know incredibly incredibly good performance and very very um very needed for this Virginia fan
1: Yeah I mean I kind of felt like you know, watching them against Baylor, you know, and, you know, considering how well they were shooting the ball, um, considering, you know, they made this big run and they held on and then, okay, that's what it's going to be. You know, there was definitely a, a, a change of gear, so to speak with, um, you know, with Illinois, um, a bigger physical team. Um, I, I thought Illinois presented some different challenges but for them to be able to do what they did in these two games, Ferber, to me, it it not only confirms for me that the the guys have definitely taken steps forward, um, but that the collective is not just better than it was last year. But there's a it's it's like the the experience has not only taught them lessons that they can actually learn, but it's it's it it produced in them um, an improvement in their game, right? So it it seems like to me that guys are not just better than last year. But that they are also more comfortable, and you sometimes can be better, but not necessarily have that sort of um, confidence. If that makes any sense, for them to do this and to and as I mentioned on Twitter, like to sort of play the villain a little bit in that Illinois game, right? Like they were sort of feeding off the 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 crowd, which was very pro Illinois. It sounded it me it felt like to me a lot like Purdue um, a few years ago. Um, It was just really interesting to watch these guys sort of revel in in that. And you know really just kind of taking it to them What were some of your takeaways um, So so to speak in terms of Not just what you saw from the team but contrasted against sort of what you were Expecting going you know going into The trip
0: yeah I mean I thought I'm optimistic On this team going in obviously and We talked about it a little bit Amongst ourselves before they went out there And probably before the season started that Like you could go 0-2 in this tournament Doesn't mean you're bad like you know four good teams, four teams that are capable UCLA ends up coming out on the short end of it, um, with the and two, but UVA wins both. So, um, two good uh, performances against two teams, I think are, are really good teams. I think Baylor is just as good as anybody. Um, and UVA really took it to them there for about 15 minutes or so. I mean, they were good the rest of the game too, pretty much, but, um, You know, there was that early second half stretch. They just dominated them. I think it was like a 30 to four run or something crazy like that. So, um, you know, I think the thing that kind of sticks with me is that they kind of showed in the two games. And I think, Brad, you kind of already hit on it that they can win in different ways. Like and, you know, there's been UVA teams in the past that could win games, but they could do it one specific way, which was like win 52 to 50. Um, and that's fine if you're winning, but you just kind of know in the back of your mind, eventually the clock's going to strike midnight on this and somebody's going to get to 60 points. Um, you know, in, in the first game, I thought they had a, sort of a back and forth first half. There were some good moments and bad on the defensive end, but ultimately they did enough to kind of stay in it. Um, and then on offense, they made enough shots to kind of stay in it, stay within three. Baylor kind of felt like they were. I don't want to say coasting, but it felt like they were about to make a run at some point to kind of pull it wider, and UVA just, like, wouldn't let them. And then UVA kind of slammed the door on them in the second half. So UVA showed in the first game that they can kind of run away from teams on offense, especially when the shots are falling. And while those shots were falling, they were getting stops, and they were yeah. turning those stops into easier buckets on, you know, like kind of getting out in transition and stuff like that. Then in the second game, you know, the shots aren't falling, and it was pretty clear from the start they're going to have to kind of scrap their way through it. Um, and, and they had to make enough plays on the defensive end, especially late in the game, you know, where it really came down to like how many stops UVA could get and they got enough. They didn't really give up much. I think they ended the game on like a 13 to four run or something like that. 14 to three. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like they just really kind of shut off, um, Illinois for the crunch time moments and, and made a lot of stops throughout the game, uh, to kind of keep it, you know, within a one possession game when the offense wasn't kind of clicking, um, and things like that. And then you also saw different guys step up in different games. Armand, you know, has a big game on Friday. His shots not really falling on Saturday, but it's a or Sunday, but it's okay. Cause like Reese has a big game and Gardner had a better game. Vanderplass was really good on Friday, not as productive on Sunday, but you know, other guys stepped up. So Kihei had a big first half. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think the ability to do that is how you be, you know, make a run in March and have a good season because you're gonna have games that are just different. Um, you think about the 2019 tournament team, like they had a couple games where they had to run away from teams with their offense, like Purdue. Um, you know, like a team that can't score can't win that game, period. Um, and then they had to win the Oregon game, which was in the 40s. <laughs> so, like, you know, you have to be able to kind of flex your muscles on both ends and do things um differently and pretty much every national title contender is like top 10 offensive and defensive efficiency and UVA is right there right now. So encouraging not to mention these were games played away from home and everything else that was going on. So, I mean, certainly, um, you know, their jump up to fifth in the polls, I think is, is worthy.
1: Yeah. Let's real quick. Let's, let's talk about the two different games. So Ferber mentioned, obviously Friday night, it was uh, Armand Franklin, Seven of 12 from the floor, three of six from deep, 26 points, four boards. Um, I, I thought obviously one of his better games of his career. Um, I thought he was not just the difference, but I, I thought he really ignited everybody else around him. Virginia shot uh, 64% from three, they were nine of 14 from behind the stripe, excuse me, from behind the, the arc. Um, Twenty seven of thirty five though at the stripe. That I can't remember the last time UVA attempted thirty five free throws in a game. Um but what I what I love most about this game is that Virginia scored eighty six points and didn't make a field goal in the last two thirty five. Um I mean they scored fifty six points in the second half of this game. And as Ferber and I, you know, were talking about on Twitter, like <laughs> there were definitely games last year where UVA didn't do that, let alone, you know, to do it in a half. Yeah.
0: They didn't score fifty six in ten games last year.
1: That's wild. Um, now what I also thought was interesting was if if you compare these two games, one you got Keontae George. Um, then, you know, in, in against Illinois, you've obviously got the Shannon kid. Um these two teams are different. I'm not trying to make the comparison that like they're the same. But I thought it was interesting is that both games had like an like an NBA caliber dude. And Virginia, I thought, played both of them, you know, reasonably well. I mean, I thought George got you know, he, he he went off for twenty. He definitely had moments where you could be like, "Yeah, that dude is going to play in the league." Um, Shannon was not as good. He was four of ten from the f- field. Was scored nine points. Um, he had six assists, which is you know a nice number. Yeah, he's good. Um, he and he mean, had like twenty
0: eight or something
1: on yeah. Friday. Yeah. I mean, they're look, they're both incredible prospects, and they're definitely going to play in the league. I, I don't get me wrong. I just thought it was an interesting sort of um, dichotomy there because even though the two teams are different, they both had a, a lead dog. A Younger guy who you know who plays The game you know and not necessarily The same but similarly right Dudes who want to kind of be around the ball You know kind of get to the lane slash To the bucket create off the bounce That kind of stuff um, What I thought was really interesting is that Tony went Small against Illinois and Answered a question I think some of us Had Dave about you know how much We're really going to see them do that And it seemed like I don't know if I don't know if Illinois sort of panicked and Had to put Dane Danger Which, for the record, is a top five all-time name. For the record, Um, you can uh, if if I could give a certain amount of money for Virginia to have a big dude named Dane Danger, I would do it. Anyway, um, but I thought it was interesting though that like it kind of answered a question for us in terms of like how small you know how often can UVA really do this? Is this like a thing we're just kind of creating? And they did it. Now, granted, you know it wasn't necessarily as. You know productive from a point standpoint But it certainly seemed to me to throw Illinois out of its rhythm a little bit Because I thought at that point they started Trying to pump the ball inside and they just couldn't Do what they needed to do How nice was it to you to see UVA Sort of not just you know playing different opponents and, And doing it different ways but also in terms Of just like the way that the the way the pieces fit together for Virginia looked different against Illinois than it did against Baylor, at least to me. What yeah, did you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's big in Illinois game specifically. Um, I'll go ahead and wrap myself out. When, 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 a BVP came in with Gardner against their saws, I was like, what, what are we doing here? That's yeah. That's I mean, very, I think we all kind weird. of felt that way. Cause Illinois is so big. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, if there's one thing we've, you know, I think you know, complaint is a, it's the wrong term. I would never complain about Tony Bennett. Um, there's one thing that's always puzzled us is it seems like Tony always like changed his lineup based on what the other team did. Like he would go small to match them going small. And this was kind of the opposite. This was Tony saying, Hey, we're going to go small. Let's not say small. I mean, Gardner and BVP aren't tiny. You know, they've got good size, but um, you're right. Like the thing that happened was Illinois all of a sudden, instead of doing all that screen action and getting big guys open for three and getting open threes, they, they just stopped trying all that and just wanted to feed the post. Um, and even with small guys, you know, Virginia's going to double the post. They're going to help. They're going to make it tough for you to score. And, and, um, did an amazing job just kind of holding his own against a much bigger player. So, you know, it, it was, it kind of got Illinois out of what they were hurting Virginia with. And they kind of started to try to take advantage of the matchup and it just got their offense all out of sync. Um, And, you know, like I said, he he played well, so it's good. And then, you know, you think about the other way you've got, you can go big with, you know, with Dunn and, you know, Vander playing the three and Franklin playing the two, like there's so many lineup variations. Um, And I thought we would lose some of that when we found out that, um, you know, Isaac Trout was going to redshirt, but, you know, they've still got it. And it's going to be very interesting to see, like, what kind of matchups? You know, what kind of uh, lineups we see moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a problem. And the one thing that kind of struck me looking back on on the tournament was, you know, we we follow this team yearly. We've been talking about them for over a decade, you know, a decade almost a decade, or actually over a decade, right? That on is what we do on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but
1: that is what we do. You know,
2: yeah, I think we we always try to not think it's that big of a deal when we don't have it, but having experience, the guys you're leaning on having experience in this system are, is just so important. Um, You know, last year you you got Franklin coming in and Gardner coming in and they, they did okay. You know, Gardner had a decent year. Franklin struggled to shoot. Um, They weren't terrible, but you know, they were new to the system. And, you know, if you look at historically when Tony has great teams, it's when the guys that, you're count, are counted on have experience In the system and I think that's just what we're seeing
1: Yeah I thought It was you know it's one thing It Listen and and this is not any Shade at anybody you know any other Transfers you brought in over, over the years But that BVP is a kid Who can do a variety of different things And also has a, a, such a Significant amount of experience Like he seems pretty confident In being exactly who he is So you're not going to get him out there You're not going to get him out there sort of um, outside of his elements, so to speak, right? And what I liked about this matchup for UVA um, against Illinois was, you know, the way you counteract a little bit of what I thought Illinois was trying to do – is to not just have guys who understand, you know, where they're supposed to be, but then also can do it consistently. And I thought that was one thing, like, even if, even if, like, Vander Plaats isn't making a bunch of threes, he's also not pulling a bunch, right? Like, he wasn't shooting them out of the game because he understood, like, hey, we got to consistently do what this thing is that we're doing, and, and it works. Um, you know, Beekman was having a, a really nice night. Clark had a great first half. You know, Shedrick had moments, again, he, he keeps doing this where he has these, these little bits and pieces, um, You know where he looks like he is really taking a big step forward Um, I thought Gardner was better in this game Um, You know I would like to see as a team for them to shoot the free throws better But really I mean this is this would like whereas the Baylor game was much more About like hey the offense really kind of caught fire guys were you know Knocking down shots and everything sort of works better when you knock down Shots here it was much more it was gritty like dudes had to really every It felt possession by possession Um, The entire tournament fervor had a real sort of NCAA tournament vibe, which is, you know, something we had talked about going into it that, you know, because of the caliber of the teams that were going to be, you know, in the in the main event, right? Like that it had that potential. And I was really glad to see that potential come to fruition because I mean, look, we've seen a lot of good Virginia teams, but Virginia has not historically played a really challenging non-conference schedule, Right. But when you look at this tournament, you got Houston coming to town, which could be a top five matchup at that point. Right. You got Michigan on the road. I mean, there's this is a non conference schedule that is a little bit different. And I'm not going to say that like the ACC is going to seem easy to this. I mean, there's still some really good teams in the ACC, but the bottom part of the league might be real, real bad. And if all Virginia did was kind of feast on cupcakes going into that. I'm not sure if they're really prepared for March, but this thing right here felt like March to me. Like every possession felt like the end of the world, um, in this game. And I think that's really go form as they go forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I felt like that about both games. I think UVA just kind of sure. like did what they needed to do against Baylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the uh, Illinois game, the second half, it was very much possession by possession on a game. That was, uh, the only thing they were playing for was uh, like a fake wrestling belt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of shows you, like, what winning basketball looks like. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but, like, I don't know that this team's a finished product, but it definitely feels like some of the guys that were looking around to other people to make plays last year are making plays. You know, it's like there there's not as much, like, who's going to make the shot? Because, you know, no, everybody kind of struggled to shoot. Um, now it's like every people are taking guys off the bounce. You know, Armand clearly has absolutely no – uh, filter anymore. <laughs> like he's ready to go um, when he gets the shot. Uh, Vanderplas has been a great addition. Um, you know, coming off the bench gives him good minutes. Um, both bigs have looked good. Um, I would say like both of them have had really strong moments. And then, you know, obviously you just want more consistency, particularly from Shedrick, given his ceiling. Um, but, you know, Poppy's had some really nice moments off the bench. Um, and yeah, I mean, the veteran guys have done what you expect veteran guys to do. And and Gardner has sort of taken on a different role and still is bringing something to the table. McNeely looks like he belongs Um, Dunn is coming along and, you know, we'll see what his role ends up being as, you know, things progress, but ultimately they have enough guys to where if, you know, they're not so dependent on like one guy. Um, And you saw that against Illinois, like that was kind of a good, a good test of like how much is what UVA has done to that point. Armand shooting, just right. kind of making the difference and he didn't really make as many shots and they still right. won. Right. So like, I mean, that kind of shows you something, but I mean, ultimately given what, I mean, we kind of knew that's going into the season, but when January rolls around, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of like how good this team is just because like, they're going to get tested or, you know, they've already been tested twice. Um, They're going to get the Houston game. They're going to get another, a road game at Michigan. They're going to have a couple ACC games under their belt or maybe three. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it's 30. by then, yeah, and then JMU is, like, not great, but they're they're top eight. They're, like, number 82 in Ken Palm or something, so they're not bad. Um, it's going to be better than fillet in Florida State, I can tell you that. Right, yeah, so, I mean, like, and they give, obviously, they open ACC play next weekend against Florida State. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think by January we should have a pretty good idea of what this team can do because they'll have played so many teams, including some that are, like, not just good, but, like, national championship quality teams yeah i, I think in baylor and houston yeah. and then illinois could win the big 10
1: so. yeah that houston game i think is probably going to end up being the best like on-campus non-conference game of the season for anybody um i mean that thing is that thing looks like an absolute Donnie brook man um and what i love about this this weekend dave is it like virginia won two games in such different fashion right they they have this fl- they have this like You know just absolute flamethrower You know run um, Early and then they got to hold on to it Right and Against Illinois against a team that You know has more length has You know more shooting at different spots You know they're able to close the game out of the last What three and a half minutes or so on a 14 Three run they made their last three shots from the Field five of their last seven and held Illinois to one of its last seven I mean It was a clinic in how you close So it was like in the one hand They had to sort of hold on to a lead and it got a little dicey a couple times, you know. Um, but then to to do what they did against Illinois, the, the confidence level was already there. Like, they clearly went into this tournament in a really good place. They come out of it in an even better one. Now, look, I'm not saying they're going to run the table and be, you know, go undefeated or anything. But I just think that, like, the building blocks for what a weekend like this can do for you um, you sort of have what, what you do with it. You make the bricks, right? It's up to you as to like how foundational they are. And I just don't know if I've seen a Virginia team do what this one has done with this early season run, especially considering they had one game they didn't even get to play, you know, everything else going on around, you know, the school and the community and athletes and stuff. I just, I don't know, man. It was, I think it was super impressive. I can't remember a team that really got my attention the way this one has. And certainly that's been the case nationally as well.
2: Yeah, I it's good, man. We've we've had some good teams, I think I'm a- I didn't do enough research to remember. <laughs> you remember which ones started off good, but uh, well, we've
1: we've definitely had squads that were like you know out of the gate won the first like fifteen whatever games, right? That, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. But, 18, not, 19, but some of those, 14, but think yeah. about like who those teams were playing, right? It yeah, was not yeah like I mean this. this was yeah,
2: no, this was crazy, and you know, you know, my, my only pause would be, um, you know, I think Illinois, I think Illinois might be the second best team in that tournament, not just because they make the championship, but just having seen them all play um, I, th- I think Baylor will become good. Um, but yeah, you, you never know. You, you never know what those teams are going to be coming into yeah. the season.
0: That's the one thing is like, we could look back on this and be like, those teams were good, but
2: they weren't like elite, you know, or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I saw, I mean, they're tournament teams, they're, you know, barring injury. Yeah. They're I all, mean, if those teams aren't are like
0: teams. top five ish seeds in the tournament, I'll be pretty surprised. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: just to joke, I me mean, kind of, um, kind of cracked me up. I think when the first night they were talking about how this tournament had like a sweet 16 feel. And then at some point during the Illinois game, it was a final four feel. So <laughs> yeah. it. It was. This feels like the NBA finals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this
1: feels this like made, the all-star game. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like the dream team. Practice. So for context here, the national championship team started the year 16 and 0. Dayton was 62 in Ken Palm. Wisconsin was 16th. Maryland was 24th. VCU was 42nd. Florida State was fourteenth, and then Virginia Tech was thirteenth um, in that run. So, but in terms of the first four games, Towson was two ninety one, George Washington was two ninety-three, Coppin State was three forty-two, Middle Tennessee was two hundred and forty-six. To put that in context, uh, NC Central's two forty five, Mama's two eighty seven, Baylor's seven, and Illinois twenty-fourth. So over the course of the start of a season, yeah. I mean if you're talking, you know, well into January wherever the winning streak stops, I agree. But out of the gate to play that sort of talent, uh, you know, even if you go back to the um to the 14 season when they were 30 and 7, right? They lose the second game to VCU. They right? lost
0: a bunch of games early that year. They lost to Wisconsin, um, they lost to Green Bay, right?
1: In the in um, the 15 season when they were 19 yeah. They went
0: they were yeah, they went hot into that
1: yeah, but see george washington was 69th maryland was 33rd vcu's 30 uh, excuse me 30th and now you're into middle of december right the only top 25 team they played across that 19 and no 19 nothing record to start through end of january was notre dame at ninth otherwise it was basically just a bunch of you know no i mean like no shade i mean like davidson's 36th miami's 41st NC State's 32nd. Like, I'm not saying these games were, like, bad. I'm just saying, like, to play that right out of the gate, especially when one of your games got canceled. I mean, I just, I think it does say a lot. And I, I, but I completely agree with your points, guys, about, like, that we, you know, we might look back in January, right? And Illinois is, like, tanking, right? Um, You know, they do have to play. They got to play Syracuse. They got to play Maryland. They got to play Texas. They got to play Penn State. Um, You know, they get to January 4th, you know, and they're, like, you know, they got like six losses. We're not going to feel as great about them. Right. So I get that. Um, but I mean, even so it's
0: still a neutral sort, neutral site win against a pretty good
1: team. That's very true. Yeah. But I mean, like also
0: I think the gap between like a Baylor and I think Illinois eventually will be higher than 24th. Just my guess based on what I saw. But I also think like, there is a gap between like the Baylors of the world and like the you mentioned some teams in like the 20s and the 30s that UVA beat in previous years like not to say those teams were terrible, but like there is a gap usually where it's like, oh like like Houston last year, right Like UVA played Houston and it was like, this is what a really good team looks like and it was bad for UVA. And then they played some teams that were in the twenties and the thirties and they could hang with them. So, I mean, like, I think there is a gap and I think UVA probably played two teams. that will be like top 15.
2: Yeah. I was going to say like, by my eye test, I don't know what how they'll be top 10 wise, top 15 wise, you know, towards the end of the season, but they, I, I, I would bet that Illinois and Baylor, if in the ACC would be in the same tier as Duke, UNC and UVA. Um, hundred percent. And, you know, and I think there's still a drop off. And I mean, I think Virginia tech's probably the next best team in the ACC right now from what I've seen, mm-hmm. but I think that's a, that's a step back. Um no slight to them, but you know, it's. I yeah. I mean, like they, they, they barely beat Penn the state. One they team. lost to
0: Charleston. Like
2: th- their yeah. season's
0: been fine, but it's not anywhere near like what we've seen from other teams.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, do, I mean, I think we're, we'd be, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't, we should remember like Virginia did struggle against North Carolina central. Um, so, yeah. it's um, you yeah, know, it, this, which is some, you know, another reason this whole weekend was so surprising. But, um, like, when you, you play a long schedule, and especially, you know, there's a, it's a long season, you, Virginia's got a very tough out-of-conference, which, I mean, obviously you, you you get invited to the tournament, so you kind of look at the draw, the dag gets good. But, you know, they clearly built this out-of-conference schedule as a response to, you know, I mean, this is my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, they built this up as a response to what's happened the last couple of years, where the ACC has been down nationally. Um, so, you know, back in you know the early 2010s, you probably wouldn't build this schedule because you didn't need to. You're going to play these teams. You're going to play a tough schedule in conference. Um, and for some reason, the ACC is just down overall. But I think it. You know, my takeaway from the from the weekend and from the start of the season is one, like the guys who returned have made steps forward, which is always good. Um, but it's something we've, for the better Virginia teams we've always seen. Um, and two, like the, the newcomers just offer you a versatility that makes this team dangerous. Um, when you can beat, you know, you know, if you can beat a team multiple ways, you're hard to beat. Um, and even though McNeely isn't getting a lot of minutes and Dunn aren't, isn't getting a lot of minutes, the minutes they get are very important. You know, yeah, McNeely, yeah you know, McNeely four games in is getting the respect of, you know, they kind of mentioned it on the broadcast, not that I pay much attention to that, but you know, he's getting the respect of a guy who's been making threes for two or three years. Right. Yep. They're not leaving him. Um, and you can look right at those free throw numbers. Like the reason Virginia got so many free throws is because it's easier to drive when you've got guys pinned to the outside trying to guard shooters. Agreed. Yep. Um, and we didn't have that last year.
1: For context, here I, I want. I just thought, like, hey, let's look at the ACC. Um, so Virginia right now has the best Ken Palm ranking of anybody in the league at five. Duke's at nine. Carolina's at eighteen. All right. Boys, this thing's about to fall off a cliff. All right. So Tech is thirty. Miami's 46 So that's five teams in the top 50 All right Syracuse is 59th Clemson's <laughs> 65 Notre Dame and NC State are right there together 66-68 Then you get to Wake and Boston College seventy eight right Florida State uh, Georgia Tech Pittsburgh and Louisville Are all like top You know barely like 100 You know technically I guess uh, Boston College is a top 100 team At least as of today I mean I'm not saying this is going to be forever Anyway but to have five teams basically outside the top 100, all right, and one of them is 155th. Poor Louisville sitting there at 0 and five. Um, wait, does that count? Yeah, it does count the the game that they got boat race today. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing too is like teams like Louisville and I don't think Florida
0: State's won either. Um, Florida State's one and four. They just okay. Uh, they got they won
1: last night against Mercer.
0: Nice, good for them. Um, Amazing. but yeah i mean like it's weird to see a team an acc team start zero and four because you know usually your first two games or so are like against nobody
1: like yeah um, yeah but they but, were that was, yeah that's the thing yeah. is that louisville lost to bella marine um and wright state and appalachian state 221 173 215 so yeah no wonder they and got and they said let's by... go to maui and see how that goes no <laughs> wonder they got dusted bad. by arkansas and texas tech
0: but what I was gonna say is like this is still counting the preseason rankings where they probably correct. started off better. Yeah. So like they're, they're they they could go, they could get worse. Basically, is what
1: I'm saying. Guys, right now, okay, Louisville is 352nd in turnover percentage.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Sweet. See,
0: that's not adjusted for preseason. That based has what they've done bad. this year.
2: I'm pretty sure this number is right. I saw it on Twitter today. Um, Louisville has 90 turnovers and 36 assists or something like that for the year.
1: What? Yeah. That is bananas, I'm pull, I'm man. I'm trying to find
2: the tweet just to confirm it, but.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: I, remember I don't,
1: I've first. never seen, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that bad. Turnover. I mean, at like one
2: point today, bad. wasn't it like
0: 58 to 13 or something or 53 my to gosh.
1: 18? Fellas, like there are so many categories that Louisville's offense is like three hundreds effective field goal percentage. Uh, two point field goal percentage, steal percentage, non steal turnover percentage. Uh, the funny thing is, if you look at their games, they lost to Bellarmine
0: 67 to 66. They lost to Wright State 73 72, and they lost to App State 61 60. So, like, bad. if they had just made one more basket in each of those games, we probably wouldn't even be talking about them right now because they'd be like, oh, they're three and two, but they lost to two ranked teams. Like, whatever. Yeah, they
1: lost to Arkansas and Texas Tech. Although it's wild, they only scored 38 points. Dude, there are some. There are some. I mean, maybe this Virginia team will do it to them. There are some Virginia teams that would hold them to like a single digit half.
2: Yeah. Here's the stat. It's kind of mind blowing. Among 1,521 high, this is from Heat Check College Basketball. Among 1,521 high major season since 2011 Louisville is the first team with more than 80 turnovers and fewer than 40 assists in their first five games they have 90 turnovers and 36 <laughs> assists
1: <laughs> meanwhile for the record Virginia right now sitting second in the country at assist to field goal uh, made um, at 72.6 um,
0: I think that's, just, that's I what was most encouraging to me about the Baylor game was like they had a ton of assists because they the ball is just moving
1: like can you know. we can we also talk about that for the I I don't think this has ever happened. Virginia right now is first in field goal and free throws attempted to field goals attempted, right? Like their first I mean that is that, I mean, part like of that is because
0: NC Central decided to just go with the foul <laughs> strategy basically <laughs> for the entire game.
1: Oh gosh. And Man.
0: it kind of worked for a while. <laughs> I mean
1: it kinda did, I guess. Yeah. Virginia in that game. Um, let's see, from the free throw line, they were twenty two of thirty. So yeah, they've had two games this season where they shot thirty free throws or more. That's bananas. What are they didn't shoot in that beginning? Now they only shot twenty five against Monmouth. Um
0: but Ken Palm also has at this point UVA winning every game on their schedule. Yeah, that's good. Yeah,
1: that's that's a fun that's a fun image to to look up, fellas. Yeah, I, I mean, sent that to you guys on Sunday
0: yeah, night like, after oh, the Baylor uh, game posted or the Illinois game posted. I was like, oh wow. All is that
1: bad? That 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 looks good. I don't know. What you know, um, and even
0: like when you do the projections, where it's kind of like I don't want to say a coin flip because it's not 50-50, but like it just takes the odds into effect. Like I think yeah. it, ha- it has them like twenty five and four or something like that. Yeah.
1: So right uh, now their lowest is lowest percentages Mich- at Michigan sixty five percent win uh, at home against Houston fifty eight percent win. Uh, yeah, I think they Miami, had like a
0: fifty one at Carolina or something like that. Yeah. At Miami
1: is at sixty six. Uh, let's see, Carolina away is fifty percent, so that one is their it's lowest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've only got a couple of them in the sixties. At Syracuse is a, is a sixty nine percent. At uh, excuse me, Duke at home is sixty eight. But everything else is in the eighties and nineties.
0: I, look, I, I mean, even like 68, 69 for like a game they, against like Duke or like at Syracuse is like pretty high. They have yeah. Syracuse sixty nine.
2: Is that what you said? 69%. Yeah, for 69%. At, when, at on the road, right? At Syracuse. Do you, do you, right. Like I would Do you know how many assists BvP is gonna have in that game? <laughs> yeah. They'd put him in the middle. Put he's him in the, the high be post. The and let guy. Be... Well, that's yeah, the yeah. one that thing they didn't pass. I
0: feel like they really didn't have last year. It was like Gardner could go in the middle, but like he doesn't Yeah, he's not like yeah. there's not a whole lot he can do if they have like a rim protector because like right. Yeah. You know, it's he's either going so, into the trees or it's all mid-range jumpers and BVP is just a better passer.
1: Um and I also think that like what is doing offensively this year, I I love I, I mean, I, I understand I understand the complexity that comes with, you know, you 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 are a team that wants to you know wants to cut down on turnovers wants to be efficient and stuff. But I I I don't know. You guys tell me. I feel like even the, regardless of what the the tempo number says, but I feel like they're getting into things more aggressively. So maybe not necessarily faster, but I feel like there's less like, for lack of a description, like sort of like, just hanging out, right? And I do think that there have been UVA offenses that just sort of like. Did some stuff to do some stuff. Everything right now feels like they're doing stuff with purpose, and a, there's just an edge to it. I don't know if that's making any sense, but they're just. It feels like to me when I watch them that today's point earlier, like dudes have not only gotten better, but I feel like they 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 really understand like who they are and how they fit together with each other. Because what I don't, you know, we've had a couple of moments where you see Kihei sort of like meander into the lane for you know trying to you know lay the ball up against without a who, plan exactly but you don't see a lot of there's not lot, there's like very little panic you know and like there's just there's a there's an aggressiveness and a and a and a sort of like um clear-mindedness about sort of getting into their stuff and I think it's clear to me the guys definitely are crisper than they were last year getting in and out of things they had a little bit of a which one was it they had that drought in was that um, it was one of the first two games Was it North Carolina Central They had several minutes there Where they just didn't score Yeah
0: I don't think they had any Against Monmouth Because no. They could pretty much do I just checked by the way Monmouth is 0-5 Yeah Poor Monmouth so King Rice hasn't quite Turned King Poor
1: King yet. Rice I mean he look He he had a plan for how He's going to get his don't next know do it is. You know <laughs> um, Man they really have Taken it on the chin Illinois beat them 103-65 Sure Whew. did My goodness Poor King Rice um, but anyway, I just feel like what I see from this team and what I what I like about what I've seen so far beyond just the fact that they were able to win two incredibly difficult games earlier in the season against very different opponents in very different types of games. I like I like the aggressiveness I've seen. I like the um, the sort of um, you know they seem for lack of they seem fierce man. Like I said, it's not just the attitude part of it like I really loved watching Franklin and, and Clark. Um, at the end of the uh, Illinois game, like the Illinois crowd, like that crowd was definitely pro Illinois and they were losing their minds. And these dudes were loving every second of it. Like there was a moment in the UMBC game where I, you know, I I distinctly remember thinking like they got, they've got to respond and they just weren't able to. Right. And so much of that was like, Oh, you know, we've gone this whole season being great. Right. They lost that one game to West Virginia. They lost that uh one game tech, right? at home against tech in overtime, right? Everything else they had cruised. They were 31 and two, right? And you punched them in the mouth and they just weren't really sure how to like steady themselves, right? Like every time one of these two teams punched these dudes in the mouth, they were they sort of laughed at them. They were like, no, no, we no, we're not worried about this. And I think that's an incredibly difficult thing to find. But like, look at the makeup of this roster. There's a lot of different types of experience. There's a lot of interesting overlap between skill sets. Like, you could very easily, if Gardner is not able to, you know, foul trouble or maybe he's not able to get to the rim, you can put BVP in there and he changes sort of the way another defense has to play them. He's immediately going to open things up, right? If Franklin isn't hitting, like, they're, they're understanding to go to the rim and guys are doing it, there's a, you know, a crispness to it. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from this group. I'm sure that, you know, they'll come out and like really frustrate me in like a week or whatever. But, you know, that's just, you know, it's just really nice to see um, the steps you really hope they would take, them putting the evidence out there and say, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that's exactly what they've done.
2: Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, you think about it, you know, Kihei carried him in the first half. Um, You know, Franklin carried him against Baylor for almost all the game. Um, Shedrick had, I think it was against Baylor, he kind of, wasn't it Baylor? He flashed in the second half. Yeah. And when, he
0: had when, some jump mid range shots and yeah. stuff too. Um
2: And then obviously, um, and then Beekman on Sunday. Yeah. Beekman on Sunday. So, and in Gardner, like I mean, I think Gardner's catching a little flat cause his numbers are down, but like, there's just more, there's more options. Yeah. Um, I he think he's playing efficiently on Sunday. and you know, he's still rebounding well and he's still, you know, his defense continues to improve. So, um, like I mean, I'm just trying to think of some negatives, just so it doesn't sound like the <laughs> you know, if Virginia struggles are like you know you're, what were you guys thinking. Um,
1: well, I mean, all right, I do, I'll give you I'll give you a potential negative. Okay, I'll give you yeah. one. Defensively, I think they they are still susceptible to you know the pack line in general. Right, can be susceptible to dudes with length who can shoot. Right, right now they do not have a guy who they don't have a Brogden or a Dre or even an Akeel. Right, who you can like literally just. Look at a dude and say, Go make sure he doesn't score. They don't have that guy. Now, if it's a guard and that guard's getting to the lane, yeah, you can go with Reese. But Reese is not gonna check a six foot five, six foot six wing who can sort of create for himself and hit threes. Like he they don't have a dude who can shut somebody's water off individually. As a group, they can, but you know, if um hell, even in these two games, if Shannon or Keontae George really got going from deep shannon was one for five uh, against virginia the george kid was uh was three of six but like i'm talking about a dude who's really pouring it on like they don't have anybody that can just step out there and and turn a guy's water off right they'd have to they'd have to match them shot for shot and i think they've been a little slow
0: on rotations and stuff too it feels like they've they've allowed some open shots um that's
1: fair and, I mean, look, when you're able to score it as well, especially as efficiently as they have, I mean, hell, they're 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 getting to the line and they're assisting the crap out of the ball, right? But, but when you can do that, yeah, you can be, you know, 12th on defense. We've seen seasons where UVA has had to be first in order to, like, give themselves a shot, right? And that's not going to be this team, at least as of now. We'll see what the next, you know, few weeks brings and if what we've seen so far continues to be the case. That's the fun part about... You know the season is that it started off well. Well, now you got to see you know what you can do with it. You know you look at all those W's in Kempom I mean that's a that's a lot. It's a long season. You know, yeah. um, it's, you know you're gonna play 29 say, games. That's a that's a long time.
2: I would say if there's one other thing, yeah, you know, well maybe two. Um, it, it seems that most of Vanderplass' shots are coming from deep, and I don't like. I think he's a he's a good three point shooter, but I don't think he's I think an. There's elite some three point shooter. Um, actually. So, me, I mean, I'd like to see him, you know, being worked in the post some, especially against teams that are smaller. Um, we just hadn't, obviously, we didn't see that in Vegas. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, so pretty good teams. Um And then the answer to, I don't know that he's ready to give you 20 minutes a game, but if you get a guy who gets really hot, it'd be nice to, I think Dunn's got the potential to be that guy, you know, that shuts down that wing who's filling it up. Um but you've got to get them minutes to get there. And, you know, I think the next, you know, obviously with this tough out of conference schedule it's hard to get those minutes, but you know, in these games that aren't against the Baylors and the Houston's um, even if it means the team, you know, <laughs> you know, struggles more than they would without him in there. I think it, it's valuable for the potential of this team come March and April um, for him to get those minutes. Just so, even if it's five minutes, he comes in against a guy who gets hot. And he just allows you to change how you're defending them. Right. Because right now, if you get up against that wing, your goal is probably to chase them off the three-point line Mm -hmm. and hope Shedrick can clean them up at the rim. Right. Um, And, you know, you can't do that all the time. So if you can can just get done to come in while Shedrick's out or something like that, um, it'll make this team even more dangerous.
1: I think I sent you guys a text and it was like, I really wish I could see more done. Because... He does have you're exactly right Dave. He does he has the exact skill set I'm talking about, right? Because he he's a 6 foot 8 guard, right? And he he's athletic enough, he's he's fluid enough, he's agile enough, right? He he can actually cover multiple positions. He's not physically in a place where he can like really bang with a guy down low, but he can move well enough like what we've seen early in the season, especially that Monmouth game, man, like you you could really see you could extrapolate it out, right? A guy who can who has the speed to cut off a pass, right? The length to get there, the athleticism to turn and turn that into a break, you know, like that's not something you typically see. That fluidity, you don't. I mean, like, look, I love DeAndre Hunter like as much as any other UVA fan, right? But like he was not necessarily always very fluid at that age, right? This is one of the reasons he was gonna, you know, he was gonna redshirt, right? He he was long. And he was athletic, but he was not, like, explosively so, that he developed that, right? It was in there. He just had to come out. Dunn has that in spades. Like, that's a big reason why he's getting minutes this year is because he brings so much of that raw um, fluidity, right? Right. To the to the court, and so like I, I want to see more of him because I think you're exactly right, Dave. I think he's the dude. He is the answer to the question. Like we're over here trying to find things, you know what I mean? And like, oh wait, there's the dude who's the answer to the to the, to the question. He just has to get some more burn. You know what I'm? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and yeah. I would also say like if you're looking for potential negatives, one, it's just you're going to play a lot of games. You're you know they we might have seen as good as this team can do, you know, in their first four. Um, which is still really good because, like I said, like during the COVID season, they played who was it Gonzaga on the neutral court, and it was like that Bad. game. That game established the the ceiling, right? Yeah, it did. it's like they, if they they're not even close to Gonzaga. Gonzaga obviously was the number one overall seed, but it was like if that's a team you got to get through, and you're going to have to get through them probably. You you ain't getting through like, you know, when you hit Gonzaga, that's where you hit the ceiling um, in the tournament. But with this team, like we've seen them play teams that might be ceiling caliber teams and and they beat them. Um, So we kind of know that they can do that. Um, I will say. and, And I don't know, we'll just have to see how it plays out over the next month. But UVA also had the foreign trip, which other teams did. But like, I think that might have helped them kind of like with the learning curve at the beginning of the season. Whereas like, you know, you watch a lot of these other teams, and it's pretty clear like Kentucky, you know, even Gonzaga who just beat Kentucky, like they're just not where they they're gonna be probably. Like you know, it's gonna take more time, and uh, and that's okay. Like they'll take their lumps and get better. But maybe UVA is like a little bit further ahead of the curve than they normally would be, because they went on that trip, and then they also, especially with new players coming in. And then they had two competitive scrimmages before the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that has kind of, like, helped them get out to a good start, but ultimately we'll see. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if they – the thing that I've noticed is that they've just been efficient. So, like, if they continue to be this efficient, you know, and efficiency, I don't know that that's something that comes as a byproduct of, like, hey, we're a little bit, like, less rusty as some of these other teams are because we've just played together more, like – You know, efficiency is making shots and cleaning up the boards and like, you know, converting turnovers into points and making free throws. And that's just basketball. And like if they do those things well, I think they'll be fine.
1: Yeah. For context real quick, that uh, COVID year. So they lost the second game of the season to San Francisco. They win the next three, including the first Ken- game.
0: We were like, "They're winning the title again." I mean, they looked they- incredible that night; <laughs> they really <laughs> did.
1: Um, but then they lose, or excuse me, they they win they the lost next to three. San Francisco. They yeah, yeah they, had, they had lost to San Francisco. They had the next three wins, including a overtime victory at home against Kent State, which was yeah. probably a bad. That was side. alarming. And then they they get pounded by Gonzaga on the neutral floor. Then they win, you know what what uh, six games in a row. Um, But a bunch of nobodies Clemson was 45th Georgia Tech was 37th They lose at Tech by 14 They win 4-5 or And then they lose those three in a row Um, I think that team definitely Sort of to Dave's point earlier Like I guess in a global sense right Like You sort of You sort of have a sense of who somebody is Going into the season and there's not a lot that changes about you. Just that move it up
0: or down a little. Exactly, bit usually,
1: it's just a little. Yeah. It's just a little bit. Like what this Virginia team did is solidify that okay, the ceiling that they that I thought they had is higher, the floor is probably higher, right? And their top end where they can where they might be able to sort of like exist. Right is is probably higher too. So it's not just like yeah. when they're at their absolute best that they can be better. It's that like oh these pieces fit really well together and they clearly understand like there's a there's some there there's some un, you know intangible pieces here that make it so that they're going to be better overall than I probably thought they were going to be. I thought they were like top twenty. They're they're I think they're top ten, top 10, 15 team easy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought that I said in our preseason podcast I thought bottom half of the top twenty five. Um, and that's not, I wasn't saying that to be disparaging. I think that's teams are I mean, that's still pretty good to have that. Yeah. And that's, that's like a four seed in the NCAA tournament, five seed. Like you might not be like competing for a national title, but like you're not bad. And you can certainly get to the final four as like a five seed. Teams do it all the time. Um, but uh, like I think what I've seen from this team is closer to, what we saw in other years where they were like really good. Um, But ultimately, yeah, I mean, we're four games into 29 game season. We'll see how things play out. But if you had told me going into the season that they would take care of their first two games, I would have been like, sure. If you had told me that they were going to go beat Baylor and Illinois, and it's not just that they beat Baylor. I mean, they looked dominant for a long stretch of that game. And then they kind of took their foot off the pedal um and and you know whatever baylor kind of got back into it a little bit but um baylor's really good i think i think most teams would have just folded up shop and lost by 20 um you know and then illinois kind of provided a different challenge if they go out and beat michigan on the road next week and michigan's not like great i mean they just went to overtime with ohio um and i think they already have a loss that was kind of random uh, like a blowout loss to Arizona State or something, I think. Yeah, they lost by um,
1: 15 on a new game. Yeah, floor. so,
0: I mean, like, I don't know that that's going to be, like, a great win if you get it, but if you go out and get it, that's another solid road win. That's another data point in the right direction. If you lose it, it's like, okay, you know, maybe they're not quite as good as we thought last week, but not bad. Um, and then, you know, the Houston game, You you if you are undefeated and, and win that game, then it's like, okay, you might be talking about a one seed, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe, you know, and maybe I miscal maybe I like was underestimating them.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's kind of where you want to be, right? Um, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? No. All right. We're, we're all, we're basically all just, you know, completely in love with the basketball team. That's basically what I'm hearing tonight. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, uh, they got one more, I guess they'll play. Friday against Maryland Eastern Shore. And then they've got that uh, Michigan matchup next Tuesday night in the, um, is this year the ACC Big Ten or is it Big Ten ACC? I forget. They trade that back and forth. Um, whatever. Whatever it's up technically is, it's the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And then uh, we'll be back to talk to you next week about whatever happens in those two games. And, you know, they go <laughs> they go out to Ann Arbor and Pound, Michigan. We're all, you know, Katie bar the door. We're, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about or how we're going to frame it. Because um, we're, we're already a little out there As it is um, Alright if you are somebody out there who found the podcast Through the website thank you very much for giving us a listen If you don't mind look us up on Apple Podcasts Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast Wherever it is that you get your shows um, You're inclined to give us a rating or a review We appreciate it Now if you're somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet You can check us out at castcorner.com. Obviously a lot you know, there's, this is now transition season, right? Between football and basketball. You know, there's that little time where they overlap, and now it'll be a lot of basketball stuff. Obviously, we'll, you know, in most seasons, we would have done a lot more like going into the postseason football stuff. Probably not going to be doing as much of that just because of sort of the circumstances. But, um, recruiting continues. The Hammond kids taking an official visit soon. Houston caught up with the 20, uh, 25 guard from Sidwell Friends, Lewis, uh, the other day. Um, For we had a good takeaways column in a three, two, one format. And then we've obviously got some stuff from last week as well. So you can check that out at your leisure. Um, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the next, uh, excuse me, discover the perfect franchise for you. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show, um, especially the folks who were so kind to us after last week's episode. Uh, We very much appreciate that. And of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously graciously of their time. I very much appreciate them as well. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. See you soon.